Hello and welcome back guys to Rabbit Hole Stories, where we today speak to a very, I think, current topic. And it's great that we had Yaron Melroot, I think is the right name of pronouncing mm. his name on, to talk about mining. Yeah, mate. Do you know what? I'm, I'm I'm a little bit fucking wound up about this whole mining thing and the fuck that's going on at the moment. So uh, <laughs> you've caught me in a bit of a bad mood with the whole mining side. The fud is just like ridiculous. Like the same shit is coming out all the time about the energy use. And it was a great episode just to really counter that argument about energy, um, where it's coming from, how it's used, and the fact that Bitcoin mining is using um, already energy that would have otherwise been wasted. Um, yeah. And, yeah. and, and you know, the, the whole idea around uh, what you've been seeing, seeing recently in the Senate over in America, the whole proposed 30% tax on the electricity based on Bitcoin mining. This is a great episode to really actually get into the nub of it all around energy and the use of energy in mining. This guy we spoke to today, extremely intelligent, um, articulate about the whole mining side. He's based in Iceland um, and he talks about um, a lot of the resources that Iceland has naturally got to produce energy for this use, for something that is, you know, obviously going to be life-changing for everyone and that is bitcoin so um sorry for the rant joel but <laughs> this is a topic now that is obviously red hot at the moment um excused any pun that might that, that might in include in, in relation to heat and energy but yeah it's a good episode so i think we should go straight into it before i get even wound up even more <laughs> and <laughs> go down this rabbit hole of uh, energy and, and mining Welcome back, everyone, to today's episode of Rabbit Hole Stories. And this time around, we have uh, Jaron here from Norway coming in to talk about mining. Uh, it's good to have you on. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you. And thanks for having me here. Our pleasure. Thank you for joining us. And uh, I mean, the people looking or watching in the video version, you'll see um, Jaron is quite packed in obviously you're far up north as you just told us before we hit the record button um and you work for luxor mining and the hash rate index right yeah so that's right i live in norway uh, i live in oslo but right now i'm visiting my parents they live up in northern norway so i'm visiting them now i grew up in northern norway um and i work for luxor uh, it's a bitcoin mining services company uh fully remote company so we are located in the US, but everyone working remotely. So we have employees all around the world. We have a mining pool. We have a mining firmware. We also buy and sell mining rigs. We have a hash price derivative. So a lot of, uh, of stuff. So I'm working with um, expanding uh, Luxor's presence in, uh, in Europe. And uh, also we have the hash rate index where we publish Bitcoin mining research. We have a data platform for mining. So yeah, that's what I do. Nice. And uh, was you always into like energy, these kind of things? Or was that part of like your rabbit hole story to, to get into the mining sector? Yeah, it's actually part of my rabbit hole story. I, nice. I became interested in energy after I got interested in Bitcoin, actually. I am. Um, oh, cool. I studied energy management in university. I didn't choose it because I was interested in energy. I chose it because 
by just choosing that program, I was offered to go to an exchange in Russia, and I really wanted to go to uh, to the, that exchange in Russia. So that's why I just chose energy management, um, and. Uh, by studying that, I became gradually more and more interested in energy. I was interested in Bitcoin way before this. So, um, and I, I was offered, or I needed to write my master thesis before I was and finish that course. So, uh, and I really loved Bitcoin. I really enjoyed researching Bitcoin. I was deep in the Bitcoin rabbit hole at the time. So I decided, okay, maybe I can write about Bitcoin mining because Bitcoin uses a lot of energy through mining. I didn't know anything about mining, so I decided to just learn as much as possible about mining so I could write my master thesis. Uh, that led me into the mining rabbit hole, and it, it also was the only thing that made me actually interested in energy. I studied energy management two years, never really interested me. Then uh, with Bitcoin mining, I started to understand energy more, and uh, I got my first job in the, the crypto space through my master thesis. Uh, I got the job for Arcane Research. So I did like some general research on the crypto market, very like market uh, related, like which coins are going up and down and all that stuff. Um, but I, I was always mostly interested in mining. Uh, so now this autumn I started working for uh, Luxor and Hashrate Index to focus 100% on, on mining. So. That's how I got into mining. Uh, can talk a little bit about how I got into Bitcoin. So yeah, sure, sure. Let's go for it. This was uh, a few years before I started the university, and um, I uh, it was in 2017. So I, uh, of course, all my friends bought uh, bought Bitcoin. This was in the summer of 20, uh, 2017. Bitcoin was at three thousand dollars. Some of my friends bought it at uh, they had bought it at like thousand dollars back in like twenty sixteen, and I was like, yeah, yeah, I am going to buy it myself. So I bought at uh, three thousand dollars, and then it went down to two thousand dollars one month later, and I panicked and I sold everything, and then I had to watch the rest of the year in twenty seventeen as the Bitcoin price went to twenty k, and I was so angry that I sold everything and. Watching all my uh, all my friends who didn't sell, they uh, they earned a lot of money, and I was like, "This is so stupid." Uh, I I just hope Bitcoin would crash, and then of course it did, and I got into it in 2018 again. Uh, but it was in 2020 I got really interested. Before that, it was just some speculative uh, way to to make money. But in 2020, I sat at home during the lockdowns. And I remembered I, I just saw the I just came over this chart that showed the uh, the money supply going through the roof, and uh, I, I was like, oh, now, now I understand this uh, this Bitcoin thing. Maybe I should uh, should uh, get back to it and and read more, more read more about it. So I, I just decided to spend the following summer summer of 2020 just studying Bitcoin full time. Normally I used to to work during the summer. But this summer, I would, I would only uh, research Bitcoin. So I did that and learned a lot about, about Bitcoin. Dabbled into some, uh, some shitcoins as well. I was deep into DeFi. Uh, but uh, now I'm, I'm only Bitcoin. I mean, one could say the only DeFi is, the only decentralized finance is Bitcoin, right? So you're onto the right yeah. track there. Um, that's super interesting. So like, 
for more or less two years, it was more of like a speculative interest for you. And then yeah. it moved into to mining. How many hours, I have to ask, how many hours did you spend on the mining rabbit hole then after, after getting Bitcoin? Because it's always a huge feat to get Bitcoin and then you discover the rabbit holes within the rabbit hole. Yeah, I, I am far from understood. Of course, yeah. The technical aspects of Bitcoin are extremely complex. And I, I only have like a general level understanding of that. But with mining, I try to go more more deeply. I decided in... Yeah, about one year ago that I would like fully focus on mining. So that that's when I started to like really deep diving into mining. And I spent, I would say, most of my time since then just uh, reading about mining, trying to understand it. Um, but it, it's not it's not that, that complicated, actually. But what I like about mining also is that it's a physical, physical business. Um, that uh, you, you actually need to build the physical facilities. It's into international business, so you you need to think about which jurisdiction you will have your mining facility, where you will buy your mining rigs, um, all that stuff. So that really fascinates me. Uh, so in the in the crypto space, I would say uh, Bitcoin mining is 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 the only really like physical business. Uh, aspect everything else is like in the in the cyberspace but bitcoin mining is in the uh, meat space and i think that's uh, that's that's what interests me on about it cool uh, do you think like your background in the energy studies in school helped with it or because it's i think this is always a, one of the misconceptions if you read it in the mainstream media like it's solving mathematical problems and you get all of these weird big numbers um, but in fact, it's like you say, it's just one giant game of, um, uh, oh, fuck, I forgot the German word, uh, the English word for it. Sorry. Uh, what other things you throw in the casino? <laughs> Ian, you got to help me out there. <laughs> chips? What do you mean? Yeah, lottery. Dice? Uh, not, not the chips. The dice. the dice. Thank you. I was looking <laughs> for the dice. Yeah. Uh, it's just one, one, one guessing game at the end of the day, isn't it? Yeah, that's what it is. You have these machines to just are constructed for one purpose only. That's why they're ASICs, application-specific integrated circuits. The only thing they are designed for is to guess numbers as fast as possible uh, through this uh, five-six algorithm. So the faster you guess numbers, the higher probability that you will be the next miner to kind of solve this puzzle or to guess the correct number. Uh, so, so it, it's all about the computing power, just uh, amassing as as much computing power as possible, and just dedicating that to Bitcoin. And uh, to amass all this computing power, you need, of course, the, the machines. That's one component, but you also need the energy. So you have them. You buy the machines. You just feed them with energy, and uh, and you get Bitcoin mining. That's that's what I also think is so fascinating that uh, Bitcoin is the most powerful computing network that has ever existed, uh, and it's uh, it's just this sheer usage of power which is so fascinating to me that you can have like all this power just dedicating to this one thing. So some people call it uh, a waste, but I, I just uh, I, of course I don't think it's a waste. Uh, I think it's more like fascinating that 
actually people are 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 just using power on these machines to like get something magical from the internet. It's, it's really really crazy when you think about it. And you can do it from anywhere in the world. It's, it's mind blowing because obviously the the, the more um, competition there is, the more ASICs you need to obviously be the per, like the person to to come up with the solution. So obviously it becomes like a, a matter of uh, you're competing with um, potential other miners getting that solution to that problem first. Um, so. This is where the whole energy FUD comes into play with with Bitcoin energy and the environment. But um, you being in that space and you having all the knowledge you have on mining, what would you say to our Greenpeace listeners who are listening in right now and saying, "Oh, Bitcoin's melting the it's melting the icebergs and all that sort of stuff"? How 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 can how can we better as Bitcoiners try and understand and educate people about the whole energy environment um, dilemma and debate? With first tell them that um, they can't really do anything about it. Like even if they, they don't like it, they just have to accept that it's here. If, uh, if they try to, to ban it in certain places, let's say, I mean, I live in Norway. A lot of uh, like climate activists here, they, they, they don't like Bitcoin mining. So what uh, the Norwegian government did from the new year was increasing a power tax for data centers. Uh, and they obviously want to get rid of the mining industry. But even if they did that, let's say that they were successful and eliminated the mining industry from Norway, could only lead to higher profits for miners in other countries, like Kazakhstan, where they use coal. Norway they use hydropower. So actually they're shooting themselves in the foot by trying to get mining away from places uh, like Norway or Sweden or Canada or wherever they use uh, so-called uh, green energy. Um, so yeah, they can't they can't eliminate it. It's uh, it's decentralized, like anyone could just buy an ASIC and, and use it. And uh, then of course you can't you can't get rid of it even if if you wanted to. Even if they banned Bitcoin mining in all countries in the world, it would still be a lot of people mining Bitcoin. So they can't do anything about it. That's what, what I would say. But of course, from the perspective of uh, uh, Bitcoin adoption, uh, a lot of people would, or a lot of Bitcoiners would want to get some climate activists on board. Um, but I don't really think it's uh, it's necessary to to try to convince them. I think most most people uh, they. They are, they, most people don't really really care about Bitcoin's energy consumption. It's like when I talk talk about uh, about Bitcoin to some, like uh, let's say I meet someone in in Norway on the street that I was going to school with ten years ago. They uh, they never talk about energy consumption. That's never something they care about. I think the the media is trying to make it into a bigger uh, deal than it really is. And yeah, maybe some investors will not uh, invest in Bitcoin because of that, but that's uh, their loss. I think Bitcoin is going to succeed anyways. And the only thing these investors will achieve by staying away from Bitcoin is that they will uh, buy in, they will buy it later. So uh, 
once again, they're just shooting themselves in the foot. So I'm not worried about that. It's almost like um, energy has become a bit of a swear word. It's a bit, a bit of a taboo. Like it's, it's like energy is a bad thing. Um, we need more energy. Um, yeah. and, and I think Bitcoin is, is uh, one of the leaders in coming up with new innovative technologies and ideas about how to generate and, 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 and um, you know, produce energy that we need to do that partly because of the fud that's been put out we're like well, okay well fuck you we're going to show you how we're going to circumvent your potential sort of sanctions or whatever it is that you're trying to sort of put in place but also like you know that's the whole ethos of bitcoin right it's it's to do better and it's to have have a system that is fairer for all and it's only going to be natural in a deflationary environment and the abundance that comes from it new technologies and the competitiveness of mining is only going to force new innovation in that space Uh, i don't know if you would agree with that either one of you i think so yeah Uh, um, i think bitcoin is one of the only uh, real uh, in a way or at least is pushing some innovations in the energy space more than anything else like we have basically two uh, two uh, forces that are like uh, pushing innovation in, in energy it's one is the government subsidies which are going into some like solar farms or wind farms and all that stuff that's not really working uh, like for example germany they uh, or all countries which have built uh, which have uh, uh, made uh, wind and solar a significant part of their grid have very expensive energy. Um, batteries also haven't gotten that much cheaper uh, because we see now uh, in the energy crisis, uh, because it requires a lot of energy to produce batteries. So so th- these these innovations with uh, the subsidies are are pushing are not haven't really worked. And then we see Bitcoin, which is uh, Bitcoin mining, which is the the other uh, like source of innovation in the energy industry. That's actually driving some some real uh, real uh, efficiencies in the energy industry. That is not only forced through by use of subsidies. So these are actually innovations that are coming from bottom up and being implemented because they are more cost effective. For example, so I know I know about miners who have. Uh, uh, operated in Central Europe before the energy crisis. They were mining, uh, installing uh, Bitcoin mining containers like directly at some uh, natural gas power plants. And by having this Bitcoin mining load at the natural gas power plant, they were able to really quickly adjust the, the uh, power supply from this power plant into the market. So instead of regulating the natural gas power, they could just I regulate the Bitcoin mining uh, load and from, from that I regulate the power supply into the grid. Uh, so that, that helped the, the power plant. It's also helped the energy market in the location. We, have, we, see, um, we see Bitcoin miners helping finance wind and solar power plants. Uh, we see Bitcoin miners helping prevent natural gas flaring. That's going to be pretty huge. So uh, yeah, I think I think Bitcoin Bitcoin uh, mining is probably the the biggest driver of innovation in the in the energy sector right now, except of course for the for all the government subsidies. And I think being in Iceland as well, you've got quite a lot of natural resources that can produce energy, right? So you've got um, hydro and geothermal energy in Iceland, which you can use to 
take advantage of, you know, in terms of getting natural energy. Is, is, am I right in thinking that? And, and if so, can you explain about uh, what that what those two things are and how those things are harnessed? Or is that going to be too long-winded of an answer? <laughs> so Iceland was one of the first countries that uh, saw a like, big Bitcoin mining industry. Um, and the reason that was around 20, I think as early as 2014, the, the earliest facilities uh, sprung up in Iceland. And the reason for that is, of course, since Iceland is an island like far up, uh, far away from the rest of the world, uh, all electricity which is produced in Iceland stays in Iceland. It can't be transported away. And Iceland has a certain uh, potential for generating energy that's hydro and geothermal. So they have massive potential for generating these resources, but it only lives 370,000 people there. So Iceland has the biggest electricity generation per capita globally. It's almost uh, uh, twice as much as number two on that list, which is Norway. Um, so what should Iceland use all this electricity for? Uh, should they just have like Christmas light all year around? And, uh, <laughs> or, or should they actually use it to, to uh, produce something? So <laughs> the way Iceland historically has kind of exported their electricity is by manufacturing aluminum because aluminum production is extremely electricity intensive. So by having all this aluminum smelting facilities, Iceland can like direct their electricity into that aluminum and then just ship the aluminum uh, away from Iceland. So it's kind of uh, they kind of like, uh, kind of uh, 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 transport their or export their electricity in form of aluminum. Uh, Bitcoin mining is is very similar to aluminum in that it's a very electricity intensive uh, uh, industry. Uh, it's, it's even more electricity intensive than aluminum. So Bitcoin mining is the most electricity intensive industry uh, in the world, actually. So around uh, around 70 to 80% of the like variable cost of Bitcoin mining is electricity. So what better way is it to kind of export electricity um, uh, without using uh, cables than Bitcoin mining? It's better than aluminum. That's why Bitcoin mining has grown a lot in Iceland. And the Icelandic people, they understood it because they already had like exported energy through aluminum smelting. So they was like, yeah, we can do it through Bitcoin mining. Um, so, and it's, a, it's a not, not a coincidence that uh, hydropower is the biggest uh, energy source in the Bitcoin mining network. That's because hydropower is very often stranded, like in Iceland. We also, where, where I am now in Northern Norway, we also have a lot of stranded hydropower. Uh, so Norway is a very long country, lots of mountains. So it's very, very hard to build transmission lines. So we have all this uh, hydropower that is produced in Northern Norway, but can't be transported to the South. And that's why energy is extremely cheap here. That's why we have a lot of Bitcoin mining facilities in northern Norway. Uh, that's that's also why Bitcoin mining was big in China. It was was located in in these regions of China where they had a lot of excess hydropower. So that's why Bitcoin mining also is big in uh, Quebec in uh, Canada. They have a lot of excess hydropower there. Um, Bitcoin mining is also we see some growth in in Africa right now. And the only miners we know of in Africa, they're also using hydropower. 
So hydropower is a, is a very, very good energy source for miners because it's uh, relatively consistent, like wind and solar. A miner can't rely on wind or solar alone because it's not consistent. It's, it's extremely variable. But hydropower, a very, a very stable energy source. Uh, and you also have the problem with stranded energy. With, for example, the reason why Bitcoin miners are using mostly renewable energy, hydro, over, let's say, coal, it's not because they care about the environment. So they, they don't like do it to, to be kind. They do it actually because the cheapest energy you can find is the stranded renewable energy. Um, for example, coal, you can transport coal. If, if you live in, let's say, in Australia and you produce a lot of coal, uh, you, you don't need to consume that coal exactly where it is. You just ship it to an, a market which is more expensive. So uh, fossil fuels will always be uh, quite uh, expensive for miners. Sorry, I just had to double check what my doc is doing. <laughs> Not that he's parking in the middle of the interview. But you catched up there on a few good points. Um, the Africa topic, I want to dive down into this one a bit later on. But one of the things I love about the FAT online, and Ian, this was actually replied to one of your tweets, where one guy was like, oh, what do you do with Bitcoin if no electricity is around anymore? And I think he was thinking about like... <laughs> oh, that, that peanut, I mean, that, that yeah. person. Yeah. Um, he was thinking, obviously, of grid power, grid electricity. Um, and I sort of replied to him, you know, a, you know, if you want to go really hardcore, you can transmit Bitcoin via radio waves. But with the energy thing, even if like the main grids are off and it's very unlikely that that happens all around the world at the same time, right? We still have these renewable energy sources, especially in Bitcoin mining. Like if you are like a, to a hydro station, the energy is always there. You can always keep going, producing no new Bitcoins. And if it's a question of like, if the nodes are keeping up, um, also there enough people, I think around the world have energy sources, which keep going, even if like the main grid goes off. Um, and then the second answer was, oh, but you know, you're wasting energy. And because we have you as a mining expert here, can you maybe go down it that it's, it's actually impossible. It's not like we plug in these things, they go into the ASICs and the energy is like gone because <laughs> it's being transmitted. How do you, as someone who's working in the industry, explain to people that energy is not actually wasted? It's, in my opinion, transformed into probably one of the strongest networks in the entire world. But I want to give you the stage in doing it in your own words. Okay, so um, you can view it in a few different ways. So one... Uh, from the energy producer's perspective or the like owner of the energy. Uh, if if the owner of the energy sells energy to a miner, why is that energy wasted? The, the, the seller got paid for the energy. So that's not a waste. Energy waste is, is only if you if you don't get paid for it. That, that's when it's a waste in my in my eyes. And um and two, in, in many cases, when energy is very cheap, which and you need very cheap energy for Bitcoin mining, you need extremely cheap energy. So you can't mine Bitcoin in, like in Germany, for example. That's too expensive. So that's why miners are located in like northern Norway, where it almost doesn't leave any people. 
they need extremely cheap energy. And cheap energy is cheap exactly because there is very little demand for it. So it's usually energy that otherwise would have been wasted. Let's say uh, in in northern Norway, for example, um, if you have power plants, which are just uh, hydropower plants, which are just letting the water through without using it to generate electricity, that electricity could have been used for a lot of other things. So, so that that electricity would be wasted anyways. And the, the third point is, uh, who are uh, who are you to say that uh, what is energy, what is wasteful activities? Um, I can uh, I can uh, I, I don't think that any one person should sit there and like decide what uh, what others should find valuable or not. It's uh, totally subjective. I I I think that uh, uh, like a lot of TV shows are garbage. Uh, but I don't go there and say that people shouldn't be allowed to watch them because it's waste. That that should be up to to them to decide. Yeah, and I mean, if you look at these reports, like the one coming out of Cambridge, um, I know it, this is always heavily debated in like the environmental Bitcoin space and stuff. Like the whole Bitcoin mining industry is is what like a tenth or maybe like a fifteenth of what just the data centers put out in energy waste to get YouTube up and running. So, you know, whenever I speak to a lot of my friends who are in that weird Greenpeace Fridays for Future generation thing, I'm asking them, well, well, are you throwing your phone away? Like, are you canceling like your Google subscription to YouTube premium, you know? Because <laughs> they're wasting way more energy on, let's face it, idiotic stuff. I like YouTube. But I want to know how much energy um, porn uses yeah uh, good point i, good saw, point. A, I saw a, a, a statistic on that and it uses uh, at least as much energy as bitcoin mining i can imagine there's a whole lot of wankers in the world <laughs> literally if you have that statistic yeah uh, I, I would like to link that in the show notes <laughs> if you find it yeah, I think it comes down to fundamentally a lack of knowledge from the general population as a whole about what energy is, where it comes from and how it's produced, whether it's natural or artificially generated. Uh, and then they just grab onto this sort of bit of FUD as if it's like, you know, the, the facts of everything. And um, yeah, it's just a fundal misunderstanding of, of where energy where energy comes from. I want to... I wanna, go back a little bit about your Bitcoin rabbit hole story, if that's okay, and step away from this a sec. But um, what I'm always curious about is wh what was your kind of aha moment in, in Bitcoin? When, was, when did that uh, sat in your mind drop to be like, ah, oh, Bitcoin is something different? Because I know you speculated on it um, at first, like I did, and a lot of people who get into the space do. But there was obviously at some point in your journey where you thought, you know what, Bitcoin is something special. And what was that for you? I had uh, some... Uh some people I was talking with who kind of I, I looked up to as mentors. So they, they had been in the space for a few more years. And what I noticed was that all of them were Bitcoin maxis. They uh, it was like, they didn't understand why I was dabbling with all the shit coins. And uh, so that's, that's one thing. I noticed that all the smart people in the space were Bitcoin only. And then I sat there one day with like, my portfolio of like my portfolio of like 20 shit coins, which I thought would, would like be diversified. I had like a, a portfolio of cryptocurrencies 
And I, I, I spent like uh, <laughs> every Sunday, I went, I went through that portfolio to like maybe change some things. And, and I noticed I spent like four hours every Sunday and I constantly had to worry about this. I was constantly checking the prices. And I, one day I just decided like, no, this is not for me anymore. It's too much work. Uh, I would just stick with Bitcoin and uh, and then I so then I sold all the shit coins on the help Bitcoin uh, but I still was like uh, I was still not sure that um, I, I did it mainly mainly to save myself uh, the work of needing to keep attention to all these things I was still like yeah maybe uh, like Ethereum is something uh, uh, something of value and I didn't still didn't understand that so I still thought that just because something was a cryptocurrency, it mean it meant that it's decentralized. I was thinking like that, but I didn't understand, and uh, I understood that not all cryptocurrencies are decentralized. And um, yeah, that's that's basically the realization. I understood that decentralization is the real innovation of uh, Bitcoin. It's not about the technology, and uh, it's you can't replicate it because it's the whole network which have slowly grown and grown together, um, and it you can't just like bootstrap a, a cryptocurrency and like uh, have an ICO and then suddenly have like a cryptocurrency. It's not work like that. So actually, I think Bitcoin is is the only cryptocurrency. Like maybe there are one or two others that are. Is a bit decentralized, but I don't think so. I think no proof of stake coins, at least, uh, are decentralized. Some people like, for example, Monero, but I've I've never really been been into all that uh, all these other coins. So I'm just comfortable holding on the Bitcoin. I just wanted to ask because I know a few minor um, people, like they work, you know, specifically maybe in the mining analysis world or um, they work in like a, a mining facility and a lot of them tell me like obviously Bitcoin number one but they appreciate other proof of work um, coins and I just wanted to ask you before you finished your statement if something is a proof of work coin Monero for example does that go into that bucket for you where you say okay it's a cryptocurrency but at least yeah, I appreciate of, I, that I, they I, use I also, the right um... consensus model like Monero, for example, if I could hold one other coin, probably it would be something like that. Um, but I think mostly if miners say they like other proof-of-work coins, it's basically because they can mine them. They can make uh, make money by mining them. Um, so yeah, that's basically, uh, basically it. I, I mean, some at least some work went into it, right? <laughs> you were not part of the early team and just got lucky with, with the pre-sale. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like, for example, Monero, it actually was created for, for a purpose and it actually has a purpose. It has probably the biggest use case of any cryptocurrencies right now. It's used in the dark web, which is, uh, so it's actually used for transactions, probably more than, than Bitcoin. So, yeah. Quite good of Monero. There. Yeah, I guess I think a lot of um, early Bitcoin maxis I met are also appreciating stuff like Litecoin, for example, because they go, you know, at least it has some, not even use case, like at least it makes sense <laughs> that it is there somehow. Um, and I think a lot of I think a lot of Bitcoin maxis would agree with that. Like they would not hold it, obviously, but at least it fulfills something rather than just filling the pockets of the people who invented the idea behind it. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, that that's true. But um, uh, I think I think uh, at at least for my, for in my case, I like to not own the whole Bitcoin. I also own stock. Uh, I kind of uh, I'm not I'm not only into Bitcoin. I have other like investments too. But Bitcoin is my favorite investment. So I look from my side I look at Bitcoin as an investment that's why I like Bitcoin and also of course because you can mine yeah. Bitcoin yeah. I was just about to ask you because I remember that tweet when you put it out because um, Ian and I even though you know we like the Bitcoin ethos and everything I'm also much, very much involved in my day job in the industry um, but I think sometimes we tend to just obsess with so idiotic things like is that bip important or like you know should we stay on Nostra or twitter where i think like just stay on both and educate people on both fronts um and i like that you were honest enough to go out there and say like hey it's okay to it to be like your own only cryptocurrency or crypto like currency i mean bitcoin and cryptocurrencies is a different topic i think um, but it's also good to have like your stock options. It's good to have maybe if you're into bonds and such and just diversify on that front as well. Um, I guess if I would need to um, look at your portfolio, you're probably also into some energy stocks then or some energy things outside of the Bitcoin space. Yeah, I am. Um, and that's, uh, of course, because I'm, I'm just bullish, long-term bullish on energy. Uh, and I, I also believe it's, smart to diversify. I also believe that Bitcoin price will probably continue to increase over the long term. Um, I think we will see hyper-Bitcoinization one day. Uh, but I still think it's smart to be at least a little bit diversified. But I, I appreciate the point some, uh, some people made on my tweets that they own Bitcoin. They, they hold everything in Bitcoin, 100% Bitcoin. Because it's so simple and they don't need to follow up that investment. They know that they have, they actually have the Bitcoin. If you have money in the bank, you you need to you need to, to be aware that the bank can actually just confiscate your money. Maybe you fail some KYC and they just decide, oh now no, the money is not yours anymore. With stocks, you need to pay attention to the com to the different companies. It requires a lot of time. Uh, I have I've heard a rule that you need to be to be uh, able to spend at least one hour of research per stock you own. Uh, even with an index fund, it, it requires some like work to at least stay a little bit updated. With Bitcoin, you just own Bitcoin. You're confident that it will increase over the long term, and you just hold it. That's also the the beauty of of Bitcoin. So a lot of people would say that Bitcoin is a lower risk investment than, for example, stocks and. I kind of agree. But I still like to. I always find it funny how sensitive people are about where um, you decide to put your own money. <laughs> you know, people people get really offended about um, people putting their money, um, you know, wherever they choose to put it. And, uh, oh, you should put everything in Bitcoin, particularly if you're talking about the sort of toxic maxis, which, which we've discussed many times on this, on this podcast and uh, um, the politics that sit behind it sometimes but you know if you, you know you're into mining into energy um you understand it more than most people so of course you know you you, you can sort of put your money where your mouth is in in what it is you actually do day to day and and people shouldn't really 
give a fuck about that <laughs> at the end of the day, right? Um, that's that. You know, what do you what do you say about that? Yeah, yeah. Of course, I agree that it's up to people people what uh, what they want to invest in. It's their business. Uh, I can I can I can talk a little bit about my like general investment philosophy and like the reason I invest in energy stocks, for example, is because I I like to uh, invest in things that go go against the the like established narrative. When when I because I, I think that that's the real the real uh, the best way to make money because you know that the uh, the stock market is priced according to the to the narrative. So, for example, investment banks, big investors, institutional investors, they are not often not allowed to invest in certain things. They have all this bureaucracy, these mandates that are increasingly politically driven. So, for example, they're not invest in, allowed to invest in, in coal. But you see which, uh, which uh, energy source have increased the most over the last year. It's coal. It, I think the coal price increased by... 500 percent in 2022 uh, i i unfortunately didn't invest in it um and i think also a lot of these energy policies are going to lead to uh to soaring energy prices like continuously increasing over the next few years so it's of course good to be exposed to that uh also from a diversification perspective because if energy gets more expensive then everything else will get more expensive and you will, uh, you might struggle just to to buy basic necessities if it gets really bad. So, but at least by owning energy stocks, uh, you will you will have exposure to that increasing price. So, if they increase, and um, maybe everything else in your life is like going to shit, but at least you have these energy stocks which have increased. So, that that's why I like to invest in this. And things, and that's also why I invest in Bitcoin because Bitcoin is kind of a, a bet against the the established system. And uh, would would I be going too far to say um, investing in energy is indirectly investing in Bitcoin in some way, or am I just sort of um, being a little bit sort of uh, pie in the sky here? I think that's uh, maybe a little bit too far. Yeah. I'll rein myself in a little bit. You have a, a lot of the same people who like to invest in, in Bitcoin and like Bitcoin mining. They also invest in, in energy. So you kind of see the same. And also uh, Bitcoin mining and energy has a lot of similarities because both are extremely cyclical industries um, and where it's very important to time the cycle. And the only way to time the cycle is actually to do the opposite of uh, what most people do, uh, to, to go against the narrative. So you have to be a contrarian investor if you're going to do well in mining and, uh, and energy. Yeah, I mean, there's a whole investment space called the alt investment space, alt for alternative. Uh, there's actually quite a lot of um, family office and such in the US, which like boomed in the last four years. And this can be anything from like, you mentioned coal before, 
people who invest into coal, they made a good bargain now <laughs> with that return. Um, and that can also be things like, you know, connect, collecting, I don't know, collectibles, sneakers, whatever it is. Um, everything at the end of the day can be traded, um, which is fascinating to me as well in the mining industry, Yaron. The hash rate derivatives and all of these products, like how far involved are you in these kind of things? Or do you think this is still kind of a niche thing within the industry? Or could that be something in the near future where people who might be interested in energy stocks and products would look at this and go like, okay, I'm not, maybe not interested in Bitcoin at first, but I'm interested in essentially buying power at a certain price and betting on it to go up in the long run. Do you think this is getting more out there or is it still some somehow of a inner circle thing? Okay, so uh, yeah, uh, most most Bitcoin miners, they haven't usually used any derivatives until now. They haven't hedged. They have just thought number go up. Uh, and yeah, basically didn't do any risk management. Uh, I think that's going to change uh, with, with all these miners going going down during this bear market uh, due to poor risk management. Uh, I think uh, a big theme in the next cycle will be to establish a proper risk management and learn the best practices from other commodity producing industries, like for example, oil and gas or um uh, even gold mining industries like that like um, a gold mining company they they usually don't hold the gold they sell the gold they just mine it i, I guess some of them hold it but I, th I think most of them just sell it and that's that's what their real mission is as a gold mining company is to produce gold as cheaply as possible and sell the gold for a higher price than the cost of producing that gold. And I think the Bitcoin mining industry is moving in the same direction that Bitcoin miners are just trying to capture the spread between the, the, the Bitcoin price and the cost of producing one Bitcoin. Um, meaning that holding Bitcoin as like a, a side, it's like a side activity. It's not really generating any value anyways. It's um, like I don't, I don't need to buy um, a Bitcoin mining stock to hold the Bitcoin for me. I can hold it myself. Uh, so that's going to be a big thing. And also, these companies are going to be using derivatives. Uh, Luxor recently launched uh, the first hash price derivative, which uh, lets miners fully hedge their revenues. So it's uh, it's the only product that lets miners hedge their revenues. So hash price. That's um, it's an, the most important revenue metric in, in Bitcoin mining. So uh, hash price is the the expected expected value per day of one unit of hash rate. So let's say you have one petahash uh, of capacity. The hash price is currently around seventy dollars. So if you have one petahash, you will you will have a revenue of about seventy dollars for that petahash. By just running your machines for that one petash for one day, um, but that uh, hash price, it, it's very it's very volatile because it's depends on three different factors. One is the Bitcoin price, which is very volatile. Then you have the difficulty, and then you have the transaction fees. So as these three factors vary, the hash price is very very variable. Um, so just because a miner can earn seventy dollars a day from their uh, from their hash rate, um, 
today doesn't mean that it will be able to do that in one month. Maybe in one month it will only earn $30. But the miners still have uh, have costs to pay. So um, as price derivative, it allows the miners, for example, to sell uh, the forward or the future of their their hash, hash price and just have a, a stable revenue for, for one month, for example. So we are we are very excited about that product and we, we think it's going to be used by by a lot of miners and it can also be used by uh, by investors just to get exposure to the hash price it's it, it's like the only way to get pure exposure to the hash price so and i guess because why imagine is the mining industry is obviously also very much involved with um outside capital whether that be you know venture capital and in, infusions through different sorts of allocations and stuff um somehow the hash prices also guarantee or like a security for them like let's say they give you like 50 million and they say like okay we know like we're in the bottom of the bear market for example so it's a good time to get in we'll try and cash out as much as possible in the in the bull runs up there uh the miner at the end of the day only has to worry about staying liquid and i guess not getting too greedy um because somehow that price can always be used, as you said, as a hedge for their own sanity and possibly also for um, venture capital or just outside liquidity that comes into the whole space. Um, that's that's quite interesting that like it's in itself, it's a hedge for the miner, but you can build so many products on top of this just by essentially turning on a couple of computers and trying to find a puzzle for an orange coin like i think if you get to that point in your journey in the bitcoin world that's um that's quite mad i'm, I'm only now just seeing your your mining rabbit hole now i can understand how this is a whole different ballpark altogether it's, it's a rabbit hole within a rabbit hole almost yeah yeah it is and um, and you will also find that inside mining it's like also at least 100 different rabbit holes that I, I could have spent Okay, I spent my first year in like the crypto space. My first job, it was as a general crypto market researcher. I realized that this rabbit hole is giant. I was focused on all the cryptocurrencies, NFTs, mining, everything. It's not possible. You you become extremely generalist. And and then, then I started to focus on mining or let's say Bitcoin only. And then you see within Bitcoin, it's like a thousand different rabbit holes. And then you go into mining and then you discover within mining, it's like a thousand different rabbit holes as well. So that that's also what's so fascinated, fascinating about uh, this um, this space uh, and Bitcoin. It's, uh, we, we are still figuring things out. It's still like being established, uh, the different standards, how to do different stuff and it's, it's that's that's what's so fascinating i mean i used to have other hobbies other than bitcoin before bitcoin came along i'm just <laughs> i'm just wondering what hobbies you used to have now you, you 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 obviously you're fully immersed in all these different um rabbit holes at the moment <laughs> yeah uh right now i'm too busy with the the rabbit holes actually to to have a hobby i have a dog uh that's basically it <laughs> I just wanted to say the same thing. If you got an animal at home, whether it be a dog or a cat, you're basically halfway there. <laughs> yeah, just um, don't forget to feed them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, of course not. Of course not. That's at the top of the list. 
you, you probably feed your your animals first or your dog first before you feed yourself mostly yeah bitcoin um, comes first <laughs> you mentioned Af- you mentioned africa before um maybe if we can spend the remainder of the episode a bit there because i think a lot of people crypto market specifically as well like they say like oh you know the next bull market is coming from asia like all of this in interest and such this is already price um focused but i see a lot of development happening in africa as well um recently the the investment by jack dorsey into gridless for example in kenya um but there's so many different avenues they can go down there as well in the next 10 years do you think africa could actually contribute to a lot of the hash rate globally yeah i, I think so i think i think there are places in the world which will see more hash rate growth like i'm waiting for the middle east to to have a lot of growth and pretty confident we will see a lot of growth there in the next year or, or two also south america uh, but over the next 10 years like in a little bit longer term i'm confident africa will see a lot of growth and it will probably grow into one of the biggest continents for mining and the reason is because uh like it, it's a lot of reasons one, uh, one of the reasons is of course the young population in africa that are quite open to uh, to bitcoin and uh, other innovations like bitcoin um so you have you have a, a lot of people without access to banking why should they go into banking they will just go straight into bitcoin so people there are kind of more bitcoin friendly than people in the west they will be more accepting towards bitcoin mining and they will want to attract bitcoin mining to actually like finally we have some industries that want to establish themselves here so they will be open to it that's one thing the other thing is just they have a massive amounts of energy there energy potential uh, in uh, in Africa, there is an enormous potential for building hydropower, also geothermal energy. Both these energy sources are perfect matches with Bitcoin mining. You can use Bitcoin mining to finance the build out of these power plants. That's what uh, Gridless is doing. Uh, there is also a big block in the Congo, which is uh, mining inside a national park in Congo with. Uh, monetizing the energy the energy from a hydropower plant with bitcoin mining i also know a, a miner in south africa that is doing that so you have you, you you now have like a lot of smaller entrepreneurs in in africa that are developing this and i i also read about uh kenya's large biggest energy company they have a lot of excess geothermal energy and they will use that for mining bitcoin so with with all this excess or energy potential of course it's natural that you get a lot of bitcoin sure, yeah. especially when you can use bitcoin mining to finance the build out of these uh, these power plants so yeah i'm, I'm very bullish on uh, on bitcoin mining in africa nice and i guess it also helps with the um again to fight the thought you know <laughs> Generally, they attack a 14-year-old industry, which obviously you can't solve everything in that short of a time span. But if you think about all the possible renewable energy, especially that can come out of Africa, this puts Bitcoin mining probably at like what, at least like 65% of the network being used by renewables. If all of them come on, 
maybe even more. I, I read something like 70% possibly in 2028, but I don't know what the current number is. There's a big debate going around that as well. Um, but I got curious with your comment about the Middle East. What kind of energy resource would that be? Would that be renewable? Would that be fossil-based? Or what would that be? It will, uh, it will mostly be uh, natural gas that uh, previously okay. was flared. So, uh, yeah, as you know, in Middle East, enormous energy producers. Yeah. They're the whole uh, fundament of this petrodollar system. So they have uh, more than enough energy there. They actually have too much energy. Uh, and it makes sense that we see a lot of mining there because they're generally quite business friendly there, at least in like United Arab Emirates, Saudi Arabia, uh, countries like that, and quite stable. Uh, the only the only problem is the heat. So uh, you will you will struggle. You, you need to use immersion cooling, which is basically putting the machines inside a, a liquid that cools them down. But that's a little bit more expensive. Uh, but yeah, mostly mostly natural gas. Potentially also some solar power, some wind power, uh, nuclear power. They're developing nuclear power plants in the United Arab Emirates that will lower the energy prices. Potentially, Bitcoin miners can uh, locate uh, like right close to these nuclear power plants and uh, and help these nuclear power plants to like regulate their apply to the grid because nuclear power it can only provide the base load when a nuclear power plant is like producing exactly the same amount it can't go up and down uh, but with mining like behind the meter at the nuclear power plant you, they can just use the mining facility to regulate up and down and of course that's that's great for the for the energy system there um so yeah, I think I think we will see uh, Middle East will be the, the you see the most growth there in the next like year or two. Cool. I mean, they they emerged in the petrodollar. Maybe they'll upgrade now to the Bitcoin standard. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't see. I don't see why why they should. Yeah, true. That's true. Uh, Yaron, I don't want to keep you up too long any um, uh, today or tonight. Is there anything we particularly forgot to ask you, or you would like to share with the listeners before we wrap it up? Mm-hmm. Can't really, uh, really think about anything. It's like we've done our job, Joel. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think you did your job very good. No, it, mate, it was an much. absolute pleasure having you on. Thank you so much. Um, I've really enjoyed it. It's, but the whole energy and the whole mining side is, it, of of Bitcoin is something I've I've really promised myself to sort of learn a bit more about. And I think you've teased me enough now to actually sort of dive into that rabbit hole a bit more. Um, so you're to blame for for now my new obsession <laughs> about Bitcoin mining. And I hope uh, our listeners have also enjoyed it as much as I have. Um, and if you are listening, please um, subscribe, uh, like us bell notifications you know the drill um if you can give us five star review um first some sats if you're really feeling generous on fountain um and yeah again it's a weekly podcast and i hope everyone's enjoying it so far please give us any feedback if you feel that we uh, need it uh, we're open to any any feedback and um thanks again joel you want to close up yeah thanks for being on joran and uh, we'll see you and talk soon again yeah thank you for having me it was great